Jai, Samaveta Bhaktivinoda Jai, Gaur Premanande. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale. Shri Mati Bhaktivedanta Swami Niti Namane. Namaste Saraswati Deve. Gauravani Pachani. Nirase Sasindrani Paskachati Satani. Mande Hum Shri Guru Shri Ta Padakamalam. Shri Gurun Vaishnavamscha, Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sagana Raghunatam Bitam Sam Sitidam, Sadvoitam Sadvadutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam, Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sagana Lavita Shri Vishakam Bitamscha. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. November 3rd, 2011, in Auckland, New Zealand, reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 8, Chapter 4, Gajendra Returns to the Spiritual World, Text 11 and 12. Sri Sukha Uvacha, Evam Saptva Gato Gastyo, Bhagavan Ripasan Nugaha, Indra Jumna Pirajarshir, Distam Tad Upadarayan. Should we do the second one too? You just do one or should we do two? Apana Kunjarim Yonim. Atmosmriti Vinashinim. Haryarchan Anubhavena. Yadgajat Vepi Yadgajat Pepyanusmriti. Because of past deeds. Tut, 
that curse. Upadharayana. Considering. Apanaha. Got. Konjarin. Of an elephant. Yonim. The species. Atmasmriti. Remembrance of one's identity. Vinashini. Which destroys. Hadi. The Supreme Personality of Godhead. Arjuna Anubhavena. Because of worshipping. Yet, that. Gajatve. In the body of an elephant. Api. Although. Anusmitihi. The opportunity to remember his past devotional service. Translation and purport by Srila Prabhupada. Sukadev Goswami continued, My dear king, after Augusta Muni had thus cursed King Indrajuna, the Muni left that place along with his disciples. Since the king was a devotee, he accepted Augusta Muni's curse as welcome because it was a desire of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, although in his next life he got the body of an elephant, because of devotional service he remembered how to worship and offer prayers to the Lord. Purport. This is the unique position of a devotee of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Although the king was cursed, he welcomed the curse because a devotee is always aware that nothing can happen without the desire of the Supreme Lord. Although the king was not at fault, Augusta Muni cursed him. And when this happened, the king considered it to be due to his past misdeeds. This is a practical example of how a devotee thinks. He regards any reverses in life as blessings of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, instead of being agitated by such reverses, he continues his activities of devotional service. And Krishna takes care of him and enables him to be promoted to the spiritual world back to Godhead. If a devotee has to suffer the reactions of his past misdeeds, the Supreme Lord arranges for him to be given only a token of these reactions, and very soon he is free from all the reactions of material contamination. One should therefore adhere to devotional service, and the Lord himself will very soon see to one's promotion to the spiritual world. A devotee should not be disturbed by unfortunate circumstances, but must continue his regular program, depending on the Lord for everything. The word upadharayana, considering, is very significant in this verse. This word indicates the devotee knows what is what. He understands what is happening in material, conditional life. So we're just going to look back for a moment at an earlier verse in this chapter about the cursing of King Huhu. We're just going to read again from that purport. One should not be displeased when a saintly person curses someone, for his curse indirectly is a blessing. The Gantarva had the mentality of an inhabitant of the celestial planetary system, and for him to become an associate of the Supreme Lord would have taken millions of long years. However, because he was cursed by Devalarishi, he became a crocodile, and in only one life was fortunate enough to see the Supreme Personality of Godhead face to face and to be promoted to the spiritual world to become one of the Lord's associates. Similarly, Gajendra was also delivered by the Supreme Personality of God when he was freed from the curse of Augusta Muni. So we have a very similar, somewhat different, but very similar circumstance for both 
Uhuru and Gajendra that because of a, a horrible curse, their devotional service was accelerated. Sri Sukha Uvacha, Evam Saptva, Gitogasyo, Bhagavan Ripasanigaha, Indrajumno, Pivajashir, Distantad Upadarayan, Apana Kunjarim Yonim, Atmasmiti Vinashinim, Haryachara Nubhavena, Yadkatve Piyanusmiti. Sukadev Goswami continued, My dear king, after Augusta Muni had thus cursed King Indrajumna, the Muni, Muni left that place along with his disciples. Since the king was a devotee, he accepted Augusta Muni's curse as welcome, because it was the desire of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, although in his next life he got the body of an elephant, because of devotional service, he remembered how to worship and offer prayers to the Lord. I don't have to go at 12 o'clock. I can start later. You want to go on? Oh. Okay. You, go, yeah. you don't have to leave at 12 o'clock. Anymore. Okay. Thank you. So you take up Krishna consciousness and you're told that Krishna wants you back to home, back to Godhead more than you want to go. Isn't that what we're all told? And that for every step we take towards Krishna, he takes ten steps towards us. So we expect then that, well, when I start practicing Krishna consciousness, Krishna's going to make it easy. Because that's what he wants. Krishna wants me to be a pure devotee, more than I want it. He's working harder at it than I am. He's working ten times harder to make me a devotee than I'm working at it. Therefore, it's going to be easy. But it doesn't seem that way. At least sometimes. Sometimes it seems very easy. There are times when it just seems very easy and very natural and everything's just happening. And we're just so joyful, and we're just like riding these waves of bhakti, isn't it? And other times it's so hard. You feel like we're carrying this big, you know, like if you've ever been to India, you know how anything that moves, they load up with the maximum. You know, they, we talk about the straw that broke the camel's back, they've calculated it. They've actually calculated how many straws it will take to break a camel's back, and they have exactly one straw less. So sometimes it feels like that's the kind of load we're pulling uphill, you know. It's, oh, why is it so hard? I'm really trying to control my mind and it's just not working, you know. Krishna, why aren't you making it easy for me? Why don't you just like do it for me already? Right, or I have some service I'm supposed to get done. Prabhupada said he wanted the service done. My guru and my authorities asked me to do it, and I'm really enlivened to do it, and it's just perfect, it suits my nature, and it's just wonderful, and I'm so excited, and it'll help Mahaprabhu's movement, and first thing I run into is an obstacle. Maybe even one of the other devotees who's supposed to work with me is the obstacle. Or maybe my body gets sick, or I don't get any funding, or I don't get the equipment that I need. You know, and, and, or the government doesn't approve. I think the most frustrating is when the other devotees don't cooperate. 
I remember when we first moved to the Detroit Temple. So there was no room for the women with young children to listen to class. You know, my, my husband would always set up a speaker for me in another room when my children were really young. And then they, there was just no room. So we found it, the, it used to be a mansion of Mr. Fisher who designed car bodies. And downstairs, he had a boat well, like a boat dock under his house. Like people have a garage under their house, he had a boat garage. And he also had a bowling alley. So the bowling alley was all dirty and full of junk. And we said, this would be the perfect place. We asked the town president, can we fix up the bowling alley for a room for young mothers with young children? Sure, we're not using it for anything. So we spent two weeks cleaning it, you know, getting everything out of there, repainting everything, putting in a speaker, really nice. And guess what happened as soon as we fixed it up? He wanted it for something else. The town president looked and he said, I never realized what a nice room we had down here. <laughs> I mean, there can be so many reverses. So here's this King Indrajumna. He's a saintly king. He's a devotee. You know, he's ruling his kingdom in, in Dravidadesh in South India as a Rajasi. Does his duty properly. Takes Vanaprastha. Goes to the forest. Is absorbed in meditation. Is starting to feel ecstasy. You know, he's almost there at Prema. And then he becomes an elephant. From another devotee, made him an elephant. Right? I mean, Huhu was a little different because he was a Gandharva. He wasn't really a Bhakta at that time when he became a crocodile. Or not as much of a Bhakta. But it seems like you know, Krishna doesn't like me. He's throwing me away. You know, he's pushing me in the opposite direction. Now, this is a true story. I was a professor of psychology in the university. And in his freshman class there were many students, and one of them came up to him after about a week and said, Prof, I already know all this stuff. This class is really boring. Would it be possible for me to just, you know, get out of this class and go up to the next level? The professor was very intelligent. He said, it's so wonderful to get students like you. So I'll tell you what, instead of just being a student in the class, why don't you become my assistant? And the student was like, yes. He said, you know, I regularly do counseling in the local prison. And it'd be really helpful if someone like you who's already grasped all of these initial aspects of psychology, you all know what's coming with, would, would go to the prison and help me out. I said, sure, professor, I'll be happy to do that. I said, okay, can you go on Thursday? Oh, yeah, no problem. So the professor calls the guy at the prison. He says, I have someone who needs an education. Do what you can. Yeah, I, I get you. You know, so the warden gave him this juvenile delinquent. They were just waiting until the guy was of age so they could try him as an adult and lock him up for the rest of his life. Nobody been able to get through to them, and this, this student comes in, you know. After a minute, he was devastated. He, couldn't, he didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to do. He was completely defeated, and he went back to his professor and said, Teach me! So was that a diversion or an acceleration? It was an acceleration. 
So Krishna knows what's necessary to accelerate our devotional service. He actually is making it easier and he is making it faster, but he knows what he's doing and we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we need. I mean, this is, requires a little humility. But I don't actually know what I need to advance. I really don't. I don't even know what my problems are. You know, if you ask me, I mean, what are your problems? I give you a list. But my experience is borne out that I often don't know what my problems are. Again, the mind is telling you, work on this, work on this, and it's diverting you from the real stuff you need to work on. Now, if you ask my friends what my problems are, you probably get a much more accurate list. But Krishna knows what it is we really need to work on, and he knows what kind of situation would be best for us to work on. And that's often not what we have in mind. Krishna even knows what's the best situation we need to be in to get a particular external service done. Now, I might have told this while I was here, but Srila Prabhupada talks, this in relation, talks about this in relationship to himself. How his guru gave him the order, preach in English to English-speaking people. So Srila Prabhupada started writing an English magazine and giving a few English lectures here and there at the Gaudiya Mat. And he had a plan. Srila Prabhupada had a plan, as he describes it. He thought, I'm going to start my own business. First he was work, working for Dr. Bose's pharmaceutical company. Then he started his own pharmaceutical business. He thought, I'm going to start a business that will make enough money to do my Guru Maharaj's mission. And in fact, it appeared that way. Prabhupada was the main funder of one of the Gaudiya temples, for example. And he was feeling very encouraged. His business was doing very well. And then at a certain point, everything, as Prabhupada got older, you know, just, just at the point when Prabhupada's children are growing up, and just at the point that Shri Prabhupada would have been free to launch the mission that he had always had in mind, just at that point, the business collapsed. One of the employees stole money from it. The whole thing failed, was finished. Just at that point. And Prabhupada explains that he, he couldn't understand it. Srila Prabhupada says, I thought maybe I'd made some mistake and Krishna was punishing me, that Krishna was angry with me, taking away all the facility that I had to do my service. He said, and then I remembered that when Krishna especially favors someone, he takes away all of his opulences. And Prabhupada also said, then I realized that Krishna wanted me to do it in another way. And as we were speaking the other day, the way that Srila Prabhupada started the movement, no one could attribute it to a material cause. There just wasn't any. There was the absence of every material cause. You know, if you want to start a project, everything was opposite. Everything. You take some entrepreneurial course, you know what you need to get started. Prabhupada didn't have any of that. By Krishna's arrangement, Krishna wanted him to do it in another way. I mean, even you think when Prabhupada came to America, he was hoping that he could preach to the highly educated, sophisticated, wealthy leaders of society. And who was he preaching to? Basically, dropouts from society. People who left their education. People who were living with the bums. And just sitting around getting intoxicated. You know, that's, that's, who he was, that's who he got. I mean, he got, you know, Hayek Griever, who was a college professor. But basically, that's the help that he got. 
But look what happened. I mean, Prabhupada did in 11 years what none of his godbrothers could do in decades. With the support of wealthy people, with the whole established institution. So we shouldn't think that, well, that's just Srila Prabhupada. I mean, of course, that's Prabhupada's own reciprocation with Krishna, his own relationship with Krishna. But it's also an example for us how Krishna works. What's Krishna's methodology? And in fact, in some respect, you can say it's even training us to enter into eternal lila, which is full of adventures and seeming reverses. Even in Goloka Vrindavan, there's seeming reverses. The highest rasa is this parakya rasa, where there's obstacles to the meeting of Radha and Krishna. So Krishna doesn't even make it easy for Radharani to do her service to him, what to speak of you and me. It's difficult. He doesn't make it easy for himself to see her. Krishna arranges that Yogamaya sets up obstacles in his own path. Why? Because frankly, easy things are what? Boring. If you want boring, there's a place you can go to get boring. You know what that place is? There's a very boring place you can stay in forever if you want to. Where is that? The Brahmajyoti. If you want boring, you can go there and it's boring and it's easy. Everything's just easy. There's no obstacles, there's no challenges, there's no stories, there's no relationships. It's just boring. But this Iskhan movement is one of the branches of the Chaitanya tree. We are actually in Chaitanya Lila, just like we talk about how Narottama Das Thakur is part of Chaitanya Lila, even though he appeared after the disappearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We don't say that after Mahaprabhu left, that Jiva Goswami is no longer participating in the Lord's Lila. So just because Mahaprabhu is no longer on this planet in a manifest way, or Jiva Prabhupada is no longer here in a physical form, doesn't mean we're not part of the Lord's adventures. So we can look at this from many angles. We can look at it sort of on an external angle and say Krishna is a really expert teacher like that college professor and the so-called reverses that he's putting in my path are really meant for my acceleration, my purification. They're really meant to help me achieve exactly what it is I want to achieve. It's giving me the proper impetus to do that. I mean, I don't know about all of you, but I work better to deadlines. If somebody says, would you please get this done, and oh, when do you need it? Oh, sometime, whenever you get to it. Sometimes I'll even forget about it. <laughs> Actually, it was really embarrassing. It happened to me. A devotee asked me to look over his master's thesis. I said, sure, when do you need it? Oh, there's no hurry. And I, I started in my email, but it went to the bottom of my start email, and I forgot. And one day I was going through all my stuff and I found it and I wrote to him and he said, I got my master's degree months ago. So I felt so terrible. You know, of course I don't like artificial deadlines. I don't like people saying get it done tomorrow when they actually have a month. But a deadline energizes you. You know, okay, I've got to get this done. So Krishna does that. He, he sets up systems of urgency. You know, the doctor tells you you've got cancer. 
It's the sense of something where your, your enthusiasm can be increased. Of course, it's not a forced thing. That depends on how we respond. If we respond that, well, okay, I guess Christian just doesn't want it, you know, nobody wants it, I'm just going back to bed. Or if we respond, okay, this is Krishna trying to get me to be more serious and more determined and more enlivened and more joyful and more humble and all that kind of stuff. So that's on one level. And on a higher level is this is one of Krishna's adventures. And I'm taking part in one of Krishna's adventures. First, the cowherd boys get swallowed by a gasura before a gasura gets killed. They first get swallowed by a gasura before a gasura is killed. And they first get poisoned by Kaliya before Kaliya is sent away. And they get put in the caves by Vyomasura before Vyomasura is killed. And Vindavan gets flooded before Indra becomes humble. And that's part of the adventure. Bhaktivinoda has this wonderful, wonderful song, which if I had a printer where I was saying, I would have printed it out. But anyway, really, really nice song. Where he says, I will drink the poisoned waters of the Jamuna, and I know that you will save me. I will enter into the mouth of a gospel. Such a nice. All right, if my path leads me into the mouth of a gossip, oh, is this a nice cave? Is it a statue? Is it a fun place for us to play? Oh, God, it smells really bad. Maybe it's a demon. No, I don't think it's a demon. It isn't a demon. It looks like a plague. It looks like a plague now. But you know, if it is a demon, Krishna will take it. So that's the mood of the residence of Vrindavan. I mean, the first way of looking at things is sort of me-centered. I want to be a devotee. I want to become purified. I want to become free of my sinful reactions. And everything that's happened to me, the seemingly materially good things, I get a lot of money, everybody praises me, I have all the facility for my service is just handed to me. That's Krishna helping me. And the seemingly bad things, I get sick, somebody steals my money, the very devotees who are supposed to help me, impede me. You know, the government permission I thought I was going to get doesn't come. It rains on the day of the festival, you know, whatever. <laughs> that's also meant to bring me to where I want to go. But that, that's me-centered. And the other is very Christian. The other is a little higher level. I mean, it's all right. Me-centered is a, that's kind of mode of goodness. I'm interested in my purification. But higher than that, the transcendental platform is this is Krishna-centered. This is bringing pleasure to Krishna. It's part of Krishna's adventure. And I'm participating in Krishna's adventure. You know, when you're in an adventure, do you get to find out how it turns out at the end? Or do you just, like, understand it as you go through it? You understand it as you go through it, right? I mean, you know it works out. It's got to, because Krishna's the hero. You know, how much fun is it to watch a drama where you already know exactly how it's going to turn out? You know, it, it sort of unfolds. I remember when I was a kid and things like Superman and Batman were on TV and, you know, sometimes Batman gets captured by the evildoers and that's the end of that episode. I think that one was, one was like that. You know, one episode he's, he's in trouble at the end and the next episode he wins. They had kind of a formula. 
But anytime there's a story of a hero, sometimes the hero's in trouble. And certainly sometimes the hero's friends are in trouble. And you know that Superman's going to win. I mean, it's not in doubt. Because otherwise there won't be an episode next week. You know, you just, you know he's going to win. You don't know how. So you know Krishna's going to win. Of course, the residents of Vrindavan, sometimes they forget that Krishna's going to win. When Krishna's wrapped up in Kaliya's coils, Balaram, yeah, they were all going to die. Balaram had to remind them. It's all right. Krishna's defeated so many demons. He'll defeat this one too. It's okay. Just, you know. And according to Sanatana Goswami, he said, Krishna, Krishna, these are the residents of Vrindavan. If you stay in Kaliya's coils anymore, they're going to die, and then your heart will be broken because you won't have any of your associates here. Stop this, Leela. So the devotees in the Leela, they're experiencing angst and fear and surprise and so many things, which are all ecstatic. Material fear isn't ecstatic. But spiritually, that fear for Krishna and that what's going to happen, it's all part of the ecstasy. And it's exciting. And it gives a chance for Krishna to do something wonderful. You know, the Gaudiyamat throws Prabhupada out of the Delhi temple and Prabhupada has no place to stay and he's got holes in his dhotis and... He's counting his paisa for the train and he has to come on a cargo ship. <laughs> and he's living in an impersonalist ashram without a place to bathe. So Krishna could do something wonderful. So Krishna can come in and save him. Here you go. Here's some people to help you. <laughs> and Prabhupada could come in triumph back to India with his dancing white elephants. And build the Krishna Balaram Mandir. So we can also see our lives like that. Either one of those is fine. That everything's happening for my good and my purification. Everything's happening to bring me closer to Krishna and bring me where I want to go. And everything's happening as part of Krishna's adventure to make Krishna happy. And how fortunate I am that I get to participate in it. And I'm being trained for going to Goloka Vrindavan. I'm being trained for entering into Krishna's eternal pastimes in my spiritual body. By what is my mood. It's not just that we say, you Varshana, that it's some sort of name that you put up sometimes. One can be in the mentality that I'm already in Gokula Vrindavan. In fact, if we come here, our bodies are already in Gokula Vrindavan. And we just have to get our mentality there. Now, from the platform of my personal purification, Prabhupada speaks about that here in this purport, there's this very famous verse, Tatenu Kampam Sushamikshimano, that the devotee, when they're in difficulty, thinks this is my responsibility that I'm in difficulty, that there's reverses. Uh, because I've done something wrong. I don't blame Krishna. In fact, I thank Krishna for again accelerating things. For letting me have just enough reaction to learn my lesson and get over everything quickly. Because devotees often ask, okay, this bad thing that's happening to me, is it Krishna's desire or my nonsense? That's a very typical question. You know, which is it? 
I'm not quite sure why exactly we ask the question. I suppose we ask the question because we think, well, if it's Krishna's desire, then I should joyfully accept it. If it's my nonsense, I don't know what I'm supposed to do instead. Especially if you can't counteract it. But it's actually both. Now, if I've become addicted to some intoxicant, and I go to a treatment program, and the doctor's initial treatment is painful, Who's the cause of the pain? Me or the doctor? Or you know, if you eat an unhealthy diet and you never exercise, and you, you know you get sick and you go to the doctor, the doctor puts you on a program that at first is, is austere, it's difficult, it has some pain to it. Who's responsible for that pain? You or the doctor? I'm responsible. Well, the doctor's also responsible. You can't say the doctor has, has nothing to do with it. The doctor's given you the treatment program. Does the doctor know that there's going to be some pain in this treatment program? Of course. So the doctor is intentionally giving you distress. Knowingly, intentionally designing a program that's going to give you distress. But in the ultimate issue, who's completely responsible for that distress? Me, the patient. So just the fact that I'm in this material world is my responsibility, completely, totally, absolutely. The fact that I'm materially conditioned is completely my responsibility. So the fact that the process of purification has what Bhakti Sinatra Saraswati calls the fire of ordeal. There's no fire of ordeal for eternally liberated souls. The apparent distress they experience in Krishna's pastime is just another flavor of ecstasy. They're even begging to feel separation from Krishna. You know, Gopal Kumar says when Krishna goes to Mathura, that this agony of separation is so much joy that it dances on the heads of all other happiness. Radharani says, Krishna, when you're with me, I see one Krishna, but when you're away from me, I see millions of Krishna everywhere. So to the devotee, the so-called agony, just, it's just varieties of enjoyment. But for me, a conditioned soul, the fire of ordeal I have to go to to become purified feels like a fire. Doesn't feel sweet. Feels like a fire. But why does it feel like a fire? Because of my attachments. It's actually not a fire. It's actually is sweet. So I'm responsible for the fact that the so-called difficulties in my life, first of all, that they need to happen anyway, that I need to be pried away from my attachments. And that they feel painful because I'm holding on to my attachments. You know, if I just voluntarily give up my attachments, that's not painful. But if I'm holding on to it, if I'm saying, please, Krishna, help me get rid of my attachments, please. And he may go, please, help me get rid of my attachments. No, help me get rid of my attachments, please. You know, so who's causing the pain there? Krishna or me? If I say, hey, please help me get rid of my attachment, he says, sure, fine, no problem, and there's no pain at all. So therefore, the devotee sees, the devotee who's not yet perfect in Krishna consciousness, sees that whatever distress I'm being put through is the Lord's kindness, and I'm the one who got myself into this fix. I'll tell you another true story. I really like this story. I hope I haven't told it here before. So there was a woman who was an expert hiker, and she was a professional level hiker and climber. 
She was visiting her family in Hawaii. And she thought, I'll just go out for a little stroll along the ocean. And because she was such an expert professional hiker and climber, she overestimated her abilities. She violated the basic rules of going for a hike. She didn't tell anybody where she was going. It's the first thing. So she's walking along the ocean in the, in the jungle, and she's thinking, oh, it's getting kind of late. I wonder if there's a shorter path to go back. And she starts going on what she think, thinks is a path into the jungle. And she makes another mistake, she doesn't mark her trail. Because she thinks she can sort of see it clearly, and she thinks, well, I know what I'm doing. It's a true story. So then she decides that she's hopelessly lost, and she sees a high hill, and she thinks, if I climb up to that hill, I'll be able to see all the paths and find my way out. It looks like a fairly small hill. She thinks it won't be too hard. And she says, well, it's not going to take me long to get up and down, and I'm, I'm going to be encumbered by my pack. She, she was a professional-level climber. She left her pack at the bottom of the hill. As she's climbing, you know, sometimes you can't really see a hill till you, like, get part of it. She realizes that it's much steeper than she thought. And she's not going to be able to come back down the way she went up. So as she gets to the top, she finds the top is only about a foot and a half wide. And the other end is steeper than the end she came up. She has no way to get down. She doesn't have her water. She doesn't have her flare. She didn't tell anybody where she was going, and she can't get down. And it's so narrow that she can't even lie down and sleep. If she lies down and sleeps, she'll fall off. So she has to keep herself awake, and you know, in, in tropical places, it's comfortable in the evening, but the day, the sun's shining on you, it can be very hot. So it was very hot, she had no water, and nobody knows where she is. So on about the second day, she starts to pray. God, why did you put me here? <laughs> it was quite a while before she actually, you know, realized, actually, actually like super soul talking to her, where she realized, you did this to yourself. Now, of course, she got rescued, otherwise we wouldn't be able to tell the story. Her family went look for her, and they sent a helicopter, and she got rescued. But that's actually our situation. You know, we're in some distress, and Krishna, why did you do this to me? And the reality is, I did it to myself. And Krishna allows us to experience some of the reactions to what we do. You know, Krishna didn't save this woman in two hours. He saved her after about three and a half days. So why does Krishna allow us to experience the reactions to what we do, at least to some extent? Why does he give us a little token reaction? Because for, for most of us, at least some of the time, that's the only way we figure things out. You know, we, we can't just learn by being told. So the devotee who has this mentality that Lord Brahma talks about, the prophet's quoting here in this purport, who says... All these fires of ordeal that are happening to me, they're your mercy. They're due to my own attachment. They're meant for my benefit. And my response to them is that I become more devoted to you instead of less. 
And Lord Brahma says that if someone responds like that, if we respond to difficulty in reverses by increasing our devotion, by increasing our obeisances, by increasing our love, then just that one thing allows us, Dayabhat, to inherit our rightful place in the kingdom of God. Now, if you think about our human relationships, you can understand why that would be so. So let's say I have a relationship with someone, a very loving, sweet, wonderful relationship, and that person does something to damage the relationship. They cheat me in some way, they hurt me in some way. And then they decide that they want to reestablish the relationship. And let's just say, which hardly happens in human relationships, that it was 100% their responsibility, that I didn't do anything wrong at all, nothing. Which again, in human relationships basically doesn't happen. In human relationships, there's almost always some fault on both sides. But let's just say there's no responsibility. It's completely the other person's. What do I want to re- for that relationship to be reestablished? I want the other person to fully and completely own whatever they did. I want them to take 100% of responsibility for what they did. I want them to offer a genuine apology. And I want them to be willing to go through whatever I ask them to go through to prove that they're sorry. It's not just that they're going to come and say, well, I'm really sorry. Many, many years ago, I contacted, I was, I was praying as I do from time to time, that uh, Krishna will reveal to me and relieve me of all my offenses against Vaishnavas. And whenever I pray like that, something always comes up, right? Krishna is very kind to me. So one time when I was praying like that, I got a very strong impression that I had offended Virjan Prabhu. Well, he had written some books for Gurukul and I'd been critical of him. I'd, I'd had a critical mentality towards him. I didn't criticize him to his face, but I was criticizing him in my mind. So, yeah, he was in Vrindavan and so was I. And I said to him, I said, Virajan Prabhu, I've been very critical of you in my mind. I've been thinking very negative things about you and I'd, I'd really like to apologize. And he had a long pause and he said, you need to cook something for me with your own hands. It was kind of odd. Yeah, I, I, I've never had somebody say something like that before. I said, okay. So he was staying at Brajabi Haribu's house. And it was hard because they had a servant who did the cooking and she didn't really like the fact that I was in the kitchen cooking. You know, she, want, she wanted to have me roll the japatis while she cooked them. I said, no, I have to cook. I said, you can roll the japatis, but I've got to put them on the fire. And I cooked the whole meal and I fed Brajabi Hari and his wife and Burjan and the servant and who was definitely put out by having someone else in the kitchen. <laughs> but my point is, he gave me a particular, uh, what do you call that? What's the word? Atonement. Yeah. He gave me a particular atonement to do. So if someone's really hurt us, we may give them an atonement. You know, and I've done that too. I had somebody who was really bothering me and, and, and kept disrespecting my boundaries. And I said, okay, I don't, don't send me an email, don't Skype me, don't call me for a year. I mean, first it was like a week, and then it was, you know, they kept, and it was, I said, look, just, because I asked this person, I said, you can email me once a day, and I was getting 20 emails. And they were all things like, I know you just don't like me, sort of and I said, I said, not for a year. And they, they didn't respect it. I would have friends call me and say, can you, can you, you know, she's saying, I, I understood what I did wrong. Can you please just, 
And I said, if you understood what you did wrong, what would you do? Then you'd respect it. I said, if you really understood what you did wrong, then you'd respect the atonement that I'm asking you to do. That was my evidence procedure. And finally I wrote to her and I said, that's it, please don't communicate with me. So the atonement that we're given, how we react to it, is Krishna's evidence procedure for whether or not we really want our relationship back, much more so than our, please Krishna, I want to love you. Okay, fine. Here's your atonement. Custom made for you. Custom made for you. Your atonement, your atonement, your atonement, my, it's going to be different. For one person, it's going to mean I really want to get married and it just never happens. For one person, it means I get married and it's miserable. For another person, it means I get married and it's wonderful and I'm totally attached. You know, it's different for each person. For one person, it's getting a lot of money. One of my godbrothers had very, very wealthy parents. They were actually the owners of Playboy magazine, if you know what that is. And they both died simultaneously in a plane crash. And overnight, he became a millionaire. As soon as he became a millionaire, he was gone from Christian consciousness. He just never saw him. So for some people, the, the fire of ordeal is getting $10 million. For some people, the fire of ordeal is not even knowing how I'm going to have $1 to pay my bill. You know, and it's going to be different at different times of our life. And if we take it, this is my atonement. This is how I can practically demonstrate to Krishna that I'm genuinely sorry. Of course, to be able to do that, we have to realize that we're genuinely guilty. That we have been giving pain to Krishna for a very long time. Mostly by hurting ourselves. And because I'm part of him, Therefore, when I hurt myself, I hurt him. Just like if we love somebody and they're doing something that's hurting themselves, we also feel pain. Something like that. I know some parents whose son is a heroin addict, and the mother is just agonized by the fact that her son is a heroin addict. So it's something like that. We all become heroin addicts. That's what we are in this material world. We're addicted to an illusion. We're addicted to the illusory drug of maya that makes us crazy. And we're thinking, that's my happiness. And Krishna's like, that's not the kind of happiness I want you to have. You're killing yourself. So just to do that, and that requires, as Prabhupada talks about here, to have upadharaya. Dharaya means meditation. Deep thought. Careful consideration. Not just reactive. I have this service. It's a service Shri Prabhupada wanted. It's right there in his books. It's right there in his letters. I'm a sincere devotee and I'm doing it nicely. And why is that Prabhu stopping me? I'm going to write something and put it up on the internet about how much Maya that person is. And they should be removed from their position immediately because they're an impediment to my service. Careful consideration. 
Or this Krishna consciousness doesn't work because I tried to do so many things and Krishna just took all my money away and made me sick lying in bed. I was in a... When I was in Mayapur, just about a year and a half ago, our uh, god sister Yamuna, the one who we hear singing every morning, she was there. And she and her friend, Dina Tarani, had gotten very ill. They couldn't get out of bed. And I went to visit them. Yamuna said, what a wonderful place to be sick. She says, when you're sick in Mayapur, lying in your bed is counted as offering dandavats. She said, I'm going to be sick. How kind Krishna is to make me sick in Mayapur. I mean, someone else could say, I came to Mayapur to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, to see all his lilastans, to get purified. I'm not going to be able to go to any classes. I'm not going to be able to go to any of the holy places. I can't participate in anything. I'm barely well enough to chant my 16 rounds. I guess Krishna doesn't want me to be Krishna conscious. So carefully consider. Now we may not be able to do that immediately. That takes practice. It may be that when the reverse first happens, we become angry and we become bitter and we become accusatory. But at least... The time between the difficulty and our careful consideration should, over the years, shorten. You know, maybe as a new devotee, it takes us five years before we figure out that the so-called reverse was a benediction. I remember one thing took me 15 years to figure that out. After 15 years, I, I looked back and said, wow, Krishna really did me a favor. I am so fortunate. He made my past so much easier through that horrible circumstance. Wow, I am so glad things didn't work out the way I wanted them to. You know, but hopefully instead of 15 years, it becomes like 10 years, then 5 years, then eventually it becomes, you know, an 11th of a second. And the immediate, instant reaction is, thank you, Krishna, I know that this is your kindness. In 1515, Purport Prabhupada says, God is all good, God is all merciful. So that that's our immediate, it gets to the point that that should be our immediate, instinctual, knee-jerk reaction. Immediate. This is your kindness, this is your mercy. You are doing this to accelerate my Krishna consciousness, not to impede it. You know, okay, this is what I want to do, and it's right there, so i got to go there. And Krishna's saying, no, let's go over here for a while and work on something. But go over here, but I'm not making any progress. Over there. <laughs> no, I'm getting something over here that I need. I'll give you one last example and I'll stop. I was here in New Zealand. Perfect. Thank you, Telesandra. Perfect. Everything I had wanted. I had a desk, and thank you, Jenny Cookie. And where's Nikunja? Is she still here? Oh, my thanks to Nikunja, who fed me pumpkin soup and toast. And Vaishnavi, all five, thank you, all of you. So I had perfect, I was looking at the ocean, the tidal pool, and I had my really nice desk and my chair, and Krishnendu gave me internet, and his wife gave me pumpkin soup, and my Giriraj there, and Dwarkapuri was giving me sample books, and it was just, we were ready to start. <laughs> what I'd been wanting to do for 25 years, and finally I could do it, and you guys were leaving me alone, I only had to give class once a week. He didn't even ask me to do any local service except when everybody went to the festival and I got to dress the beauties. That was what I wanted, a desk, a chair, internet, and to be left alone. 
Every other place I called, they said, yeah, you can come here, but we're going to expect that you do at least 30 hours of service, and in your remaining time, you can work on the books. I was just getting going, and Janu's mother broke her foot. And my son was saying, I don't know if we need you, Mata, it's all right. You know, you just moved too, right? Or you were just moving. And finally I said to my son, what's the stress level there? He says, Mata, you better come. <laughs> so I dropped everything I was doing, and I went to Hawaii, and I was just being a grandma. I was just cooking and cleaning and changing diapers and doing the laundry for a whole month. And I was thinking... This is just my material attachment. I'm just so attached to my family. I can't just focus on my service. This is a total diversion from what I want to do, and I'm just wasting my time, and I should be in New Zealand working on the books, and what nonsense I am, and why did I come here? And I kept thinking like that. Then I, when I came back, I was able to work 10 times faster. You know why? I was writing children's books, and John was the oldest of eight children, and they're all different ages. And I got to work with all of them. And when you go away from children, you forget after a while what they're like. You know, I got to remember what's a two-year-old like, what's a six-year-old like, what's an eight-year-old like. And so when I went to write the books, all I had to think about was, okay, what would Devesha want to read? What would Karika want to read? And it was right there in front of me. And what I had been struggling with all of a sudden became like that. It wasn't a diversion, it was an acceleration. And that, that gave me a lot of faith that if we want to do something that's approved by the Parampara, Krishna knows exactly what we need to do it. He knows who we need to talk to, where we need to go, what we need to experience, and everything is bringing us to that point. So that's, this is the view of the devotee. This is how the devotee actually considers and if one does this, then everything is joyful. There's a wonderful, wonderful quote by Bhaktivinoda Thakur in Jaiva Dharma, where he talks about how this material world is the leela of the Lord. And one who participates in it with that consciousness experiences everything is joyful. And that our suffering is simply doing to our intentionally not wanting to exult in what the Lord is doing. So thank you very much for having me here. It was really fun to come back. Uh, I hope my next visit is not after such a long break. And everything is such an exciting place. And thank you all for taking good care of my grandson, making him feel at home. We're really grateful to Srila Prabhupada for giving us his spiritual family. You know, we can point out so many problems in our ISKCON, and some of them are real problems, but you know, it's still nice to have a spiritual family. <laughs> And the people who go through all the trouble to maintain these buildings and clean them and fund them and take care of the deities and cook the meals. Thank you all very much. And if there's any way that I've offended anybody or been less than appreciative, please excuse me. So we can have just a little while. I have to go do some service. With he, he told me, I, I thought I was going to have to leave exactly at 8.25. He told me a little bit more time than I thought. But yes. Thank you very much. Definitely you want to forgive yourself. 
Again, think of your human relations. If somebody has offended you, you want them to rectify. What do you want them to do? You want to fully, completely, totally acknowledge what they did wrong. You don't want them to just say, I'm sorry I hurt you. You want them to say, when I stole that $100 out of your wallet, you want them to say, this is what I did wrong. You want them to acknowledge it, you want them to own it, you don't want them to walk around it. You don't want them to say things like, <laughs> I remember being in a, a mediation with some parents for our school, and they said, I mean, actually, you know, we apologize really just to set the, the uh, stage. And we apologized, and we sat there, and we sat there, and we sat there, and we sat there. And finally, the mediator looked at them and said, yes. And then they said, if we made any mistake, we're sorry. If we made any mistake that might have caused you any distress, or we're sorry that you might have, have interpreted our behavior in a distressed way. Instead of, we're really sorry that we started a false rumor and wrote letters to everybody in the community about something that didn't exist. Now, but you don't want the person to go around feeling guilty for the next five years, unless you're needed. <laughs> the purpose is to reestablish the relationship. The purpose isn't vengeance. Krishna's purpose is not vengeance. His purpose is to reestablish the relationship. But when you hurt somebody, the only way to reestablish the relationship is to take responsibility for how you hurt them. You can't do it otherwise. You can't just say, okay, dear, I've had an affair with 20 women, but here I am, and I'm sorry. She's going to say, no, get out of here. Right? She wants to see some genuine atonement. Right? Okay, first, you live in another place for a while, at least like three months, and you can just come once a week, and we can have dinner together, and let's see how you behave, and are you going to stay clean, and how, you know, and then we'll take you back. But you don't want that hanging there forever in the relationship. It's not that you want the person to constantly feel guilty. I mean, we may think that unless we constantly feel guilty, we'll do it again. Often we think, you know, I've got to keep beating myself up so I don't make the same mistake again. But it's possible to have a learning, to keep the learning without continuing to suffer. You don't have to hold on to the misery in order to keep the lesson. You can become free. And then it's interesting how the devotees will talk about themselves. You know, like Sarvagoma Bhattacharya is in ecstasy. He's saying, you made a crow into Garuda, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So he remembers that he was a crow. But it's not causing him angst. So a little bit of guilt is, is useful. If by guilt we mean responsibility. You have to take responsibility. There's no way out of it. You have to start. You have to take responsibility. I did this. I am doing it. I am choosing it. No one else is choosing for me to be in Maya other than me. I mean, Krishna's facilitating it. But I am choosing it. Me. No one else but me, and I'm doing it now. And I'm responsible. But not guilt in the sense of, well, I'm a bad person and I'm evil and I'm fallen. I mean, who wants to have a relationship with somebody like that? Do you want to have a relationship with somebody like that? 
Is that what you want from the people who've hurt you? Right? If somebody stole money from you, you don't want them always going on going, I'm so fucked. Every time you see them, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, you know, you paid me back, you said you were sorry, you wrote the letter, you did everything I asked, just get over it. Well, you know, let's get on, right? It's all right already, I forgive you, you know, it's done, it's over, forget it, it's water under the bridge, let it go. You know, the residents of Goloka Vrindavan are not going up to Krishna, I'm so sorry, I was in the material world for boys and they're just dancing. Is that all right? You know, you can have a moment or two of angst. That's useful. A moment or two is useful. A day, a week, a month, a year is the mode of ignorance. But some angst. Ravinda Sutrabhu said, he didn't realize that, you know, you would chant Hare Krishna and grieve. There's some grief. But it's part of love. It's, it's, it's part of love. You're sitting next to the person you love, and they're embracing you, and you're saying, I'm so sorry, I hurt you. It's part of a loving, it's not some, it's not you're in your room crying alone. And the person you love says, that's okay. And they dry your tears. It's forgotten. Or it's remembered only in, a, in like, I was a crow, and now I'm Garuda. It's only remembered like that as so wonderful. Wow, Krishna delivered me, and he forgave me. And he loves me, even though I was really awful. Oh, wow. It becomes like that. <laughs> And it becomes about Krishna, not about you. Okay, anything else? Yes, Bruce. Uh, where does predestiny fit in every action and everything that happens? Where does predestiny fit in? Well, that's a good question because here we have the word destined. So I see that again, you know, I've, I've done something wrong. Many things, not just one thing. I've done many, 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 many things wrong. I mean, if I just think of how many mistakes I make in one day now, I can just imagine in all my lifetimes how many things that I've done wrong and how many people I've offended and so forth and so on. So for each of those, I have some reaction coming. Now, for some of those things, I'm not going to get any reaction. They've been... Whatever lesson I needed to learn, I've learned in the process of bhakti, and I don't need that reaction anymore as part of my lesson. Because Krishna is a very good teacher. If you already know something, you, you can like test out of the course. Do you have that here sometimes? You can, instead of taking a course, you just take an exam, and then you don't have to take the whole course. Do they let you do that at all in this country? Backwards, huh? So in America, much better country. <laughs> at least in some universities. Not very many secondary schools, but in some universities, if you say you already know the contents of a course, and not all courses, usually the lower level ones, you can take an exam. You can somehow demonstrate proficiency, and then you don't have to take the course. So like those of us who ate meat before becoming devotees, that means we had a lack of empathy. And you know, you're supposed to take birth as many times as there are hairs on the body of the cow. 
That'd be a lot of cowbursts. And we're all assuming that we're not going to experience that. Why? Hopefully because we've already developed empathy in bhakti. We don't need to become a cow a thousand times and be killed in order to get empathy, hopefully. But that we've, that, that's already happened. So Krishna says, okay, you've already achieved what the purpose of that karma was, so you don't need to go through the karma. But suppose there's some things that we're stubbornly resisting. I mean, maybe it's hard to see that in ourselves, but can you see that in some other devotees that you know? That there's some lesson that they obviously need to know and they're stubbornly resisting this? Can you see that in others? Right? So let's assume that's also true for me. Maybe I'm even aware of what it is for me. So if there's a lesson that you could learn through bhakti, easily and gracefully, but you're not, you're not like cooperating <laughs> with the process, somehow or other. And, you know, Krishna's tried to tell you, he's had it in the purports, and your friend told you, and your guru told you, and maybe even the whole community put it up on the notice board and told you. And you still don't get it. Well, then maybe you're going to get some token reaction. Because the karma is meant to develop empathy, basically. Empathy and humility and surrender, that's its purpose. So I, my understanding is that that's not Krishna's preferred way of doing things. And, and that is just because Prabhupada says Krishna has all the instincts of a human being. And I just know as a parent and a teacher, my preferred way of instructing people is very easily and gently. I would like to just say, would you please sit down and be quiet? You know, my preferred way is not, I'm sorry, you have to leave the room. I'm sorry, I have to be suspended. We have to call your parents. That's not palatable. I prefer to just say to the kid, you know, you're causing a disturbance. Can you please be quiet? And have him go, oh, I'm sorry, okay. Was I bothering you? So, and then the destiny is, but it's then under Krishna's hand directly. It's not just automatically in the system. You know, before you surrender to Krishna, your destiny is just, you're automatically in the system. Even if you change your mentality, you may still have to undergo the punishment. I'm sure there's people in prison now who've got a 25-year sentence, and after 10 years, they actually change their mentality. But if the sentence is 25 years without parole, that's just what it is. And only the, you know, president or the governor can interfere. So when you're under the laws of karma, you're under the laws of karma. You've changed your mentality or not. You've learned your lesson or not. You still have to go through the reaction. You still have to complete it. It's, the demigods can interfere a little bit. They have, they have some range that they can interfere in. But only Krishna can overturn it. But once you're under Krishna's direct personal supervision, then he's personally reviewing your case. Just like for special needs kids, we have this called IEP, educational, we have individual educational plan. So we're all in an IEP with Krishna. We're not just automatically in the system. And Krishna is giving personal attention to our personal case. And he's saying, okay, you've got another 200 lifetimes of karma, 200, 300 lifetimes of karma. Even if you commit no new karma in this lifetime, you still have two or 300 lifetimes worth of karma for all your desires from everything you've done. And you're trying to finish everything in one life. You're trying to get all the lessons of 200 lifetimes in one life. Okay, how are we going to do this? And then he sees how we respond. 
It's not that your whole life is like chalked out in advance. You know, okay, how do you respond to this? If I just give you a little less than one line in a purport, do you respond to that? Or do you look and say, nah, I can't do that. And then somebody tells you, uh, Prabhu, you really need to deal with this. You're just envious. And pretty soon it's ten Prabhus. Uh, we need to sit down and talk to you. Ah, you know. Now, okay. All right, let's see. What was your karmic reaction for this? Let's give you a little bit of it and see if that happens. So it's, it's very individualized. It's very individualized, it's very soft, it's always the easiest, fastest way possible. And so some of the things that happen to us are going to match up to our destiny. So someone could look at our astrological chart or whatever and say, you know, okay, this was your destiny. Some of that's going to match. Because that's how Krishna's using it. But not necessarily. That depends, it really depends on us. And really depends on how Krishna feels in his infinite wisdom, which we don't have much of as to what's going to be the fastest, easiest way for us. So again, some of that will correspond to our destiny. Logically so, because my destiny was also custom designed for me. So it's natural that if Krishna makes a very personal custom design plan, that it's going to include some of the things that were already in my karmic plan. That's just reasonable. The, the only difference is that now it's accelerated. It's really the only difference. So when, in, when you're in an accelerated program, things change a little. Not, it's not just a standard thing. So sometimes we talk about destiny, like, like the devotee is feeling whatever's, whatever's my destiny, that's what I'm going to get. But when the devotee talks like that, they understand that Krishna's personally involved in that destiny. It's not just like Yamaraj and Indra and Varuna. It's not being given to the subordinates. He's taking a personal interest in us because we're taking a personal interest in him. Thank you very much. I'll voice the show. New Zealand devotees key. New Varshana key.